Welcome to the Women Winning at Weight Loss podcast. Have you found yourself trapped on the weight loss journey, losing and regaining the same 20 pounds? Are you tired of starving yourself, eating less calories than your toddler, and making the gym your second home is just not an option? Then you're in the right place. Hi, I'm Anna J. Fit, weight loss and mental fitness coach, and in this podcast, I'll teach you exactly what to do to lose the weight sustainably and never gain it back. Let's dive in. What's going on, my beautiful ladies? Welcome back to another episode of the Women Winning at Weight Loss show. And I am your host, Anna J. Fit. I am so glad to be here and be able to deliver this powerful episode. I'm grateful to be in your presence. I'm grateful for all of you that are tuning in. And listening to these messages that I'm delivering every single week. It's just such an honor. And and I had to, you know what? Maybe y'all get tired of me expressing my gratitude, but at this point, get used to it. That's just the type of person I am. So I'm just grateful that all of you decide to listen and share some of your precious time with me every single week. I mean, that's so valuable to me because our most precious asset in life is our time. And the fact that every single week you say, hey, I'm about to go tune into the Women Winning at Weight Loss podcast and see what that damn Anna J. Fit talking about this week. Let's see what she's rambling about for these next 30, 45 minutes to an hour. I want to hear what she has to say. That means a lot to me. So before I dive into today's episode, which is going to be all about how culture hinders our weight loss journeys. Oof, this is you know what? This is going to be heavy, y'all. Get ready. But before I dive into that topic today, and and this is going to be really valuable, but I want to remind you that I am running a free, well, not running, but I'm about to open up the doors to this free weight loss challenge. It's called Lose the Belly for Good. And listen, ladies, this is for any of you out here who've been struggling to get rid of that gut. You know what I'm talking about. Eliminate that stubborn belly fat. You've tried everything. Bye-bye belly juice, fat-burning pills, detox teas, uh, keto. What's the other one? Uh, I forgot what it's called, but the one where you spend an incredible amount of money on disgusting supplements and nutritional bars that are not even nutritional. Um, But you know, there's a million things out here, right? You're doing a whole ton of cardio, but you still got all this stubborn belly fat. And that's exactly what it is that's stubborn. This challenge is exactly for you. So you've been dying to get rid of your stubborn belly fat and you just don't know what to do, okay? You've tried a million approaches that were costly, expensive, not sustainable. It was fat diets, crash diets, all kinds of crazy shit that you just can't keep doing every single day for the rest of your life. Yes. You also have the goal of losing at least 20 pounds and you need something sustainable, something simple, something straightforward to the point that is time effective. Look no further. This free challenge is everything that you need. And we're getting started. I mean, officially, we're getting started. Day one is going to be November 6th. But here's the thing. If you get signed up right away, you're going to be getting the emails with some prizes that are up for grabs right now. You're also going to get a lot of information that you can already start implementing before we even get started with day one of the challenge. And 
inside of the Women Winning at Weight Loss community on Facebook, I can tell you that for the last week, it's already been insane amounts of engagement around this challenge. And so the ladies are already competing for prizes. They're having fun. They're completing tasks every day. So you want to get in there. This is definitely the challenge for you. It's all free. It's a five-day challenge. And I'm going to be breaking down and sharing with you and revealing with you the main strategies that I'm utilizing with my clients inside of the Empowered Body Project, right? So getting rid of stubborn belly fat, dropping at least 20 pounds. Those are the main things that we're going to be talking about. So if you're trying to take back control over your health, you want to get your confidence back and boost it up. You want to get rid of that belly. You want to be able to go to the beach, go on cruises and family trips without having to cover up. That's the worst. That's seriously the worst. And you want to be able to feel good in that one piece, that two piece, the dresses, the shorts. You want to get back into your size six jeans. We're going to be addressing so much inside of that challenge. And you're going to be walking away with tangible action steps that you can apply to your own journey. And last but certainly not least, let me just reiterate everything inside of my coaching problem program and everything that I teach women inside of my free challenges like this one coming up November 6th, it's always about simplicity, sustainability, and time-effective solutions. I'm sorry, but anything that takes too much time, that's too complicated, that's, you know, working your brain and overwhelming you like nobody's business, in my opinion, that's not the way to go. So make sure that you click on the link inside of the show notes. And then you'll be able to register for the challenge. There's also a VIP option where you can upgrade for just 27 bucks. I mean, who does not have 27 bucks? I'm pretty sure that y'all be leaving 27 bucks at Starbucks in a day or two. Let's be real, right? So 27 bucks gets you VIP access where you get a call with me where I'm going to give you some pointers on what to do differently on your journey to get better results. It's a free call. And then you're also going to get a full weight loss meal plan. 27 bucks. That's a deal right there. So anyways, let's talk about how culture hinders your weight loss journey. So this uh, topic has been on my heart for honestly much longer than, than this podcast has been in existence, right? So it's not a new topic. It's not a new discovery of mine. It is not a new problem that I've been facing either. But I think that I kind of suppressed it, to be really honest and transparent. I suppressed this topic for a while, pushed it, you know, to to the side. And I was like, yeah, whatever. I'll talk about it one day. I'll address it one day. But I literally just had a conversation in the DMs on Facebook with a young lady who, I don't know, I I think she friended me or whatever. And then I happened to look at her her pictures on her profile and her timeline. And there was a transformation picture. And I was like, damn. When I looked at her transformation picture, I mean, I couldn't help myself. I jumped in her DM and I was like, girl, I don't know you. You don't know me. I'm not trying. I don't want nothing. The only thing I wanted to tell you is I just got inspired like a motherfucker just from seeing your before and after picture. That transformation right there is so real. I can only imagine how how much you've been inspiring people around you. And giving them hope because there's probably women in your circle, women that see you, right? From near and forward that are like, wow, I'm so inspired by her. That's it. That's the message I sent her. I didn't want nothing. I just want to let her know, damn, this shit is like amazing. Keep, keep it up. Like keep pushing. Cause wow, you've done amazing. That was so inspirational. Thank you for sharing that on your timeline. Have a nice day. 
Turns out she responded. We started having a conversation and whatever. And then she mentioned, she mentioned that she'd been following me for a while and she's so inspired by my content. And one of the things that she said is that she's African-American. She's a black woman in America. And she said, it is so important and it's so powerful to see a sister like you pour so much into the cups of all of us women of color. And especially in our community where we are not prioritizing health and wellness, where we are not pushing fitness whatsoever. Actually, we are promoting values that go really against proper health, wellness, and being fit, right? And so that was kind of like the conversation. And that's what it turned into. Us talking back and forth about how when she had goals of losing weight, she didn't have anybody in her circle in her environment that saw the necessity in her losing weight genuinely that encouraged her to push and reach those goals. And she even said that so many people around her were hindering her efforts by telling her, no, girl, you're beautiful. You're so beautiful. You're so much more beautiful as a big black woman. Her words, not mine. Okay. So pushing this narrative that if you want to be sexy as a black woman, you got to be big, right? If curves are beautiful, that's, that's what we want to see. The more you, the more excess weight you got on you, the better. And that's what type the narr- type of narrative. And she said that she ex- experienced so much of that social pressure. When deep within, inside of her, she knew damn well and she felt so unhappy, so miserable, so unhealthy every single day that eat, that she had to go even harder against the social pressure in addition to the fact that she wasn't feeling good in her own body, right? And that weight loss in itself is challenging on its own, but then you add the social pressure of the people around you trying to convince you that, no, you don't need to be losing weight. Matter of fact, you need to be eating a little bit more burgers because, hey, honey, put another 10 pounds on. And so that reinforced and confirmed the importance of me to have this conversation with you ladies and record this episode. It's going to sting a little bit, especially depending on what your ethnic background is what region of the country you're living in or what region of the world you're living in, right? So for me, it brought back memories of when I was determined to lose 50 plus pounds. And y'all have heard the story before, but so I was, I grew up naturally athletic and with my dad playing basketball his entire life, his entire career, My dad is 72 years old and he's still playing basketball, right? So with that as an example for my dad, it was just understood. I mean, I wasn't going to be a lazy couch potato growing up. That was impossible in that type of household because my dad would make me run with the dog outside, go hiking, play ball. My dad coached me. I did an episode on all of that. But when I left home, and this is a very relatable conversation, when I left home, I moved out and I moved far away to go to college, right? What happened to me happened to a lot of girls around me. And I know this is a very common uh, scenario. I was then away from the structure of home 
where my dad controlled my activity level and it was going to be maintained higher, right? When my mom, uh, who is uh, of German, my mom is German, she always prioritized healthy eating, right? And so all of a sudden I was away from the influence of my mom with her healthy eating and I was away from the influence of my dad with the fitness component. So now I'm away in college and all these unhealthy habits started to like uh, pile up in my everyday life. So for example, uh, being up all night studying, right? Because you got exams coming up and, and shit like that. More pressure, more stress. Ended up, ended up at McDonald's and Taco Bell and whoever at two o'clock in the morning eating burgers. And then I got hooked on Sonic, which was never a thing for me, but I got hooked on Sonic eating the damn, um, what was it? Uh, the strawberry, uh, damn, I forgot what's the strawberry sundae with the, with the nuts on top. I mean, I was doing the most. So obviously I'm in college. My eating habits are deteriorating and my physical activity level is not what it used to be. Because now all of a sudden I have to depend on myself to get active, right? I don't have my dad there. So I started gaining a couple pounds already. It didn't really bother me much. And here's, here is the key. Why didn't gaining those couple pounds bother me much? Because I was going to college in Mississippi. Okay. So let me run this back real quick. I spent most of my childhood in Europe, in Belgium. In Brussels, Belgium, to be specific, I was born in Germany. So in Belgium, and honestly, most of Western Europe, even though I don't like to generalize, but I'm I'm a generalized to a certain extent, don't hold it against me. But Western Europe, Western European countries, they're known for women being skinny. Okay. Let's just put it out there like that. They're just skinny. Okay. And that obviously fits the Western European model of what is considered beautiful and the standards of what a woman should look like and her body type, right? So being of African-American, that's my background. I'm African-American and German. So I always was a little bit curvier, but not because of fat on my body, but because of my bone structure, right? My DNA. And so even growing up, I know, I noticed and I remember always feeling like I was never skinny enough to fit into the culture I was living in. Okay. So that was like, the, that's the other side of that social pressure. But even though I was in Europe and I felt that at least from like white Europeans, my entourage, and this is the key, my entourage was primarily um, of immigrant descent. So like, they were Africans, whether North Africans or Sub-Saharan African, like from the Congo, right? Just typical, like it's Belgium. So from the Congo, from Rwanda, from Morocco, that, that's the majority of my friends growing up. They were Africans. They were from Morocco. They were from the Congo. They were from Rwanda. So if you know anything about those cultures, guess what? The men tend to be skinny, but the women need to be, to tend to be round, plump, have a lot of curves, right? So growing up in that friend circle, I was never, never uh, made to feel like overweight or anything like that or like I wasn't skinny enough. They always appreciated my body type the way it was because I'm naturally curvy, um, even way before I started gaining weight. That's just where I was at. So I always felt the embrace, but that is a cultural, that's a cultural thing, right? Completely cultural. So. When I moved to the U.S., 
And I went to college in Mississippi. If you don't know nothing about the South of the United States, well, then let me just educate you for a second. When it comes to the Southern cooking, which is a cultural aspect that directly hinders weight loss and proper health, I said it. Southern cooking has got to be some of the unhealthiest cuisine in the world, period. Just to give you some examples, but Southern food, Southern cuisine is based on everything is heavily carb loaded. Everything is based on cornbread, biscuits. You got bread and everything. Uh, all of it is carb loaded, number one. Number two, everything in Southern cuisine, and when I say Southern cuisine, I'm talking about Southern USA, right? Is based on, uh, or it's cooked with, prepared with butter. Everything in the South got to have butter in the pan before you even throw the food in it to cook it. Then you got to add more butter while you're cooking it, okay? Then you add more butter on top of it when you're done. One example, your rice. Folks dumping rice, it, butter in that rice while the rice is cooking because that gives it that buttery, you know, creamy uh, texture. I mean, it sounds delicious, don't it? Extremely unhealthy too. When the rice is done cooking and you throw it on your plate, guess what goes into that rice? Well, more butter, of course. And then if you really do it the really Southern way, you're going to turn that cheese into some cheesy rice. I mean, that rice into some cheesy rice. So it's butter while cooking, butter on top of your rice once it's done. And then you put a whole fucking bag of damn cheddar cheese up in there too. That's how you do this thing. And what's the other thing? So number one, carb loaded. Number two, Heavy ass reliance on butter. Everything got to be prepared with butter and you got to put butter in it and then you got to put butter on top of it. Okay. And the third element is every motherfucking thing got to have bacon in it. You can't just have a turkey sandwich. No, you got to add bacon inside the turkey sandwich. Oh, that ain't, you can't eat no fucking grilled or, uh, or whatever sauteed shrimp. No, it got to be, it got to be shrimp rolled up in, 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 in slices of bacon. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You want to eat collard greens? You want to eat any motherfucking greens? Oh, we're going to need to cook that shit with bacon. Bacon got to be it in everything, everywhere, all the time. You want to eat a salad? We throw in bacon bits on top of your salad. It's just bacon land, like literally. Butter, carbs, bacon. If I had to sum, sum up the South, there you go. So now I'm living in Mississippi, which, by the way, is actually my home state for those of you that did not know that. So I spent every summer in Mississippi anyways at my grandma house and stuff like that growing up. So this was a new to me. But what was new to me was now I'm sitting in this environment and I'm feeling the social motherfucking pressure. So I'm at two o'clock eating cheeseburgers at McDonald's. And I say to any of my friends in college who primarily were born and raised in Mississippi and had never lived outside the U.S., and most of them were already overweight and we were just in our early 20s. And the majority of my friends came from obese families where obesity was just a common thing. And this is a cultural fucking aspect. Mississippi is the fattest state in the United States and probably the fattest place in the world. Okay. Giving you context, but that context is key because it's fucking cultural. So I'm saying things like, oh, damn, I really need to lay off the damn, that McDonald's at two o'clock in the morning. 
I really don't have no business going back to Sonic and eating another one of those strawberry sundaes. But I'm surrounded by people who are overweight and or are coming from families where obesity is an everyday occurrence. Here I am, me, having spent the majority of my life in Europe among skinny fucking people who valued skinny equal healthy equal beauty standard. I'm in Mississippi now surrounded by obese folks who value obesity more than they value health. Let that shit sink in. Cultural aspect. And while in Mississippi, this applies to both African-Americans and whites, it is even more so predominant in the African-American community. The standard of beauty for African-Americans, especially in the South, is the bigger, the better. The bigger, the better, baby. And the men make it even worse because they want you to have big old booties and more curves and bigger boobs and bigger this and bigger that, right? This is literally something that's being pushed on the cultural level. And then we experience the social pressure. So fast forward, I started gaining weight them first couple months in college. Then my little butt got pregnant. When I got pregnant, listen to me, if I had gotten pregnant in the state of New York, while going to college in New York, I am convinced that I would have never, ever, ever, ever gained 65 pounds with my first child. Just because of how influenced I was by my environment and the social pressure I was experiencing from a majority, majority of people who were African-Americans, who valued sitting your ass down and be, live a sedentary lifestyle. They did not value exercising. They didn't push me. They didn't say, hey, you're pregnant. You need to go walk. Walk as much as possible to make sure that you're going to be healthy, that you're going to have a healthy pregnancy, that you're going to have a, a safe delivery. I never heard those speeches. The speeches I heard were, girl, just sit your ass down somewhere. And why you only eat one burger? You act like you don't have no baby up in there. Eat two. Matter of fact, girl, hold on. Let me let me hook you up. I'm going to go get you another burger. I'll be right back. Anytime I try to do something for myself, here came somebody and was like, girl, you pregnant. You ain't got to do all that. Sit down. I'm going to do it for you. Literally, my entire pregnancy. I said anything about the fact I was getting a little fat and juicy. And what, what did people around me say? Girl, go ahead. That's normal. Cause you gotta make sure that that baby being fed. You eating for two. Eat more cause you eating for two. You ain't just eating for yourself anymore. Stop being selfish. You gotta think about the baby. I listen, I could write a book on all the things that I heard that put more pressure on me or even made me feel comfortable and allowed me to eat like a pig. Nobody was judging me. Matter of fact, people were just cooking for me even more. People were encouraging me. That's the point here is that that was the type of culture and environment and circle where people were encouraging me to become fat. Because based on what they've been taught, that's the way to do it. So let's fast forward to after I didn't have my child and my dad come, and my dad comes and my dad in his athletic mindset is like, oh no, no ma'am. Mm-mm. So my dad I think who have been traumatized by life in Mississippi and growing up in Mississippi and, and seeing his entire family be obese and diabetic and sick. My dad was 
like mortified when he saw how fat I had gotten. And my dad was like, you need to, this is me like, like I just had the baby. You need, no, you need to go jogging. You need to do something, girl. Come on, let's go. And that's something that I always loved and appreciated about my dad is my dad never sat there and bashed me. He never said, God damn it, girl, you you will look like a fat pig. How dare you to let yourself go like that? And then, you know, like, and then there's, that's it. And then just walk out the door. No, 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 no. My dad was firm. Honey, you, honey, you can't be doing that. No, mm-mm, mm-mm. No, we can't have that. But you know what? It's okay. I understand. But I got you. So we're going to go jogging. We're going to go do this. We're going to do that. And that's something I so appreciated about appreciated by my dad instead of just sitting there and criticizing me or making me feel bad about my weight he was firm about the fact that listen honey dang that's not okay but i'm gonna take it a step further and i'm gonna help you the best way that i can help you so that is how i started at least moving again and also getting the confirmation from somebody that hello i'm fat and somebody was not agreeing with me being fat let me keep it real y'all my dad was like no ma'am no, 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 no. Mm-mm. See, my dad wasn't going to tolerate that. I did a live about this years ago and people were so offended. Like, I'm going to tell y'all for real. People were so offended on my Facebook page. They were like, well, if my dad had called me fat, then uh, I would have been this and I would have been heartbroken. And with my mental, I wouldn't have been able to take it. Blah blah. Okay, whatever. That's you. I was explaining. I was telling, sharing a story. And how valuable it is when you have people in your life, in your circle, in your environment who want to see you thrive. They want to see you win. They want to see you be healthy. They want to see you elevate, right? And the the cultural aspect that I'm speaking of in this episode, of course, speaks to a lot of the ignorance and a lot of the cultural um, components that have been passed on from one generation to the next. As I was getting skinnier and as I started losing weight, which was a long process, but still people saw me become active. People saw me work out. People saw me change the way that I was eating. People saw me turn away plates. People saw me say, Hey, I won't be in eating your banana pudding. I love your banana pudding, but I won't be eating it this Sunday. I'm sorry. And I didn't provide no explanations because I don't have to. I do what I want. But people started to say things to me like, girl, you need to eat. You getting a little skinny. You sick. You sure you all right? Because you were looking like really juicy. And now I don't know. Look like you're getting a little sick over there. And I'm like, what the fuck are they talking about? And that's what I'm talking about. The ignorance that we are passing down from one generation to the next. It's a cultural problem. These are cultural shackles. These are barriers to our weight loss journeys. It's literally the people around us because of what we've been taught that are Literally putting the pressure on us and promoting being overweight and unhealthy. When I was fat after that child and I was eating shit every day and living a sedentary life, there's not a single person in my circle, in my environment, my in-laws, my friends, the people I went to school with, the people I ran into that in the hall, nowhere, no one said, honey, you need to watch your weight. You need to do something. How can I help you? Nope. No one asked me if I was sick then. Everybody said, girl, you look so healthy. I can't make this shit up. People said, you look so healthy. Healthy? I was 60 pounds overweight. 
my father was the only person in my life that showed up for me in the most powerful way and told me what I did not want to hear, but needed to hear so desperately. And my dad, if you, if you don't know this, let me reiterate, right? My dad is African-American, born and raised in the state of Mississippi. But my dad growing up, well, at some point just growing up, yeah, basketball was like a, an outlet. And, and he kept that. He held on to that. So my dad's been fit and athletic and active forever. But my dad also has seen his entire family become sick with diabetes, um, aunts, siblings dying from complications related to their diabetes diagnosis. He's seen it L- literally. I want to say almost all of my dad's siblings, and he has many, like over 16 we're talking about, right? Out of all of his siblings, literally, my dad and two others are the only ones that are at a healthy weight. All the siblings are morbidly obese, uh, obese, overweight. So I think that Part of that, instead of my dad passing that on to me, I think that my dad made the effort of, hey, I'm more educated than them. I I surpassed the education level, right? I've been exposed to other things because my dad also traveled, left, went to other states and went to Germany and things like that. And I think that my dad started to understand, hey, the way that we've been raised in Mississippi, this cultural shit amongst us Black folks, this is not healthy. I want to make sure that when I have children, I'm teaching them a different lifestyle. So I think that that's the only reason why when my dad saw me and saw how big I had gotten, he was really firm and clear out of everybody. No one said nothing, but my dad was going to make sure he says something. I'm eternally grateful for that because I literally had gotten to the point where despite me feeling miserable, despite me feeling unhealthy, despite me feeling, um, you know, unhappy and hiding behind baggy, you know, clothes, loose shirts. Because I felt so self-conscious, I kept trying to convince myself, oh, it's okay. Nobody else sees a problem with it. They all say I look good. I'm getting plenty of attention from men. They like my sexy curves. They like this fat on me. And my friends say I look healthy, right? My in-laws and everybody else, they say, oh, I look good. But my dad said, no, ma'am. No, ma'am. Think about that example and the power that it's, the power or what it shows you about the power behind those cultural values and morals and how, how strong they can be and how much they can hold back our weight loss journeys, our weight loss progress. If I had listened to the advice of my friends at the time, the people that I went to school with, that I went to class with, the people just in my environment, my, my in-laws, my other, rel- my relatives, right? The people that, that were going to church with me. If I had listened to any of those people, I would be a full-blown diabetic by now at the age of 38. I'm also glad, side note, I don't have anything against Mississippi. It's my home state. I love Mississippi. It always feels like That's where home is for me. That's where my heart is. And the roots are strong. But I also always felt like I needed to get the 
hell up out of that environment, that culture. I needed to put distance between me and that culture so that I could be in an environment or a space that would promote a fitter, healthier type of lifestyle. And not where I felt like I'm constantly being criticized. I'm constantly being judged because I don't want bacon and everything. I do not cook with butter. I gave that shit up, right? No, I'm not eating rice for breakfast with sugar. I ain't doing it. If you know anything about that, then you know. But I refuse. I don't want to live my life like that anymore. So I ended up moving to Florida. Not be specifically because of that, obviously, but I moved to Florida because that's why I decided to go to grad school. So culture is so powerful that it has the potential to hinder your weight loss journey. Literally to the point where you're battling obesity. You feel unhappy, unhealthy, miserable. Your confidence is shit. And the people around you tell you things like, but no, you look, girl, you look healthy. And the second you start working out a little too much, they tell you, girl, are you crazy? Go sit down somewhere. You're doing too much. What you mean? You're not going to eat bacon no more. That's what we do. Bacon is good for you, girl. Every family function, once I started to change my lifestyle, every family function, people gave me a hard time. Well, you know how Anna is. She don't eat that. <laughs> well, you know how Anna is. She, she not going to eat that either. <laughs> Like literally, it became the running fucking joke. Every family function that I went to, it was like, um, well, girl, I don't know if there's going to be anything for you to eat because you know how you are. You real picky. It became literally the running joke to the point where I avoid, I started avoiding family functions because I didn't want to hear that shit. It shouldn't come to that point, but it did. You see what I'm saying? cultural values, powerful. And there's a lot of things about our each of our respectful cultures that I think are valuable and are beautiful. Like there's a lot of my values in my moral system that is very much based into old rooted Mississippi values and morals, right? And I think that that part is fantastic. That's one of the great parts about the culture that was passed down to me through my father. And my grandmother, every summer that I spent in Mississippi and all my relatives. But then I also look at the other things that they pass down, such as it's totally normal to eat when you're bored. This is such a fucking thing that I see a repetitive pattern occur, especially in the African-American community in the South. It's so custom for us as Black people to just eat because we're bored. And this is being passed down generationally, generation to generation, culturally. So that, along with the body image ideals that I described earlier, if you're living in France, for example, you're going to feel that social pressure. They don't want you to have big old curves. They, no, 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 honey. Their body image ideals are skin. Skinny, skinny, more like stick skinny. Whether you like that or you don't, I'm not placing judgment. I'm just saying that that's what it is. Those are body image ideals. If you're living in France, you can be 10 pounds overweight 
And them folks going to be acting like you are morbidly obese. If you're living in America, shit, even in fucking California, even though California got different body image ideals too. If you're 10 pounds overweight in America, no matter what state you live in, no matter if you're white, Mexican, American, I mean, African-American, whatever you are, ain't nobody going to give you shit. People are not even going to notice. Because that's like, it takes a lot to, it takes a lot in America of the biggest country in terms of like obesity, right? We're the most obese people. It takes a lot in this country for us to notice that somebody is like five, 10 pounds overweight. You don't notice that. But hell, you go to France. Goddamn. This lady is like three kilograms overweight. Would you notice that? Because everybody's so skinny. So those become body image ideals, but they're related to culture. Those are cultural things. Let's talk about celebrations associated with overeating. So I can't speak on particular celebrations in, I don't know, in, um, in Iraq, for example, right? Cause they also have different body image ideals and they also have a tendency to appreciate plumpier, right? And heavier set women. Their, the Iraqi culture also promotes, um, being overweight as fitting into their body image ideals of what beauty is, et cetera, right? But every country in every region within every country, and then even your religious background sometimes has its own impact on what y'all think is sexy, looks good, uh, represents health, et cetera, right? But for example, in the US and especially again in the South, Let's talk about celebrations associated with overeating. And maybe you can relate to this in your own culture too. Maybe this resonates. But let's talk about Thanksgiving because shit, it's October. So Thanksgiving is right around the corner. Thanksgiving, especially in the South and especially in the Black community, the celebration, yeah, I understand everybody says, oh, it's not about the mac and cheese. It ain't about the turkey. It ain't about the cornbread. It's not about the the stuffing. Um, whatever, whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bullshit. Because at the end of the day, the most exciting part for black folks, aside from, yes, you get some days off. There's some travel involved. You might go see some relatives you ain't seen in a while or, or, or they come in to see you in a while and it hasn't happened in a while. Yes. I'm not going to negate any of that. But for most black folks I know and ever been around, their, their, their mouths are watering three weeks before fucking Thanksgiving. And all they're talking about is how much they're going to stuff their motherfucking faces with the mac and cheese. Yeah, my grandma's mac and cheese and such and such, you know, fucking, um, you know, the, the, the cornbread. And then I'm also going to be eating all these collard greens that are going to be like fucking soaked in bacon grease. And, and right. It's, it's just the culture of overeating constantly. And then when certain holidays and celebrations come around, it's all of a sudden even more promoted and even more okay for you to eat, like literally force yourself to eat three plates at Thanksgiving dinner, pack a couple of to-go trays, exaggerate on the red velvet cake, right? Because we can't forget that either. Then you also like trying to stuff down some banana pudding and you, you're going home from whoever's house with all these extra plates, these to-go plates. You go home, not even an hour, two, three later, you're in the bed and you're like, oh man, that food's so good. I need to eat some more. 
You ain't hungry. You overstuffed. You know you've been eating too much, but you're going to keep eating. And then for the next three days, it's just munching and munching and munching and munching, overeating some more on all the goddamn Thanksgiving uh, leftovers. This is cultural. It's cultural. And so when you're living in these types of environments and you're living in those surroundings and the culture constantly teaches you, it's okay to be obese. It's okay to be unhealthy. It's better for you to have extra fat and extra meat on your body because that's what we consider beautiful. Look at all these fucking rappers and their music videos. Every chick up in there got a humongous fat ass. You should have a humongous ass if you want to be attractive. And it's like, do you realize that having a humongous ass because you eat so much shit is such an unhealthy lifestyle? But that's the culture that I live in, right? And so it makes it extremely difficult when you have these fitness and these weight loss goals to be dealing with that type of environment. And the social pressure is real. Don't get me wrong. We're all grown. You're a grown woman listening to this. I'm a grown woman, right? And of course, we can sit here and say, oh, I mean, those are excuses because you should know better. No one's stopping you from getting your membership at Planet Fitness and go to the gym, even though you live in Cleveland, Mississippi, where literally like 95% of your family is, is not exercising, has never been in a gym, and all they do is eat. Okay. Yeah, that's true. We are responsible for our own lives. We are responsible for our own shit. You're right. But the reality is we are so much, so much of ourselves as the product of our environment. It is. It absolutely is. That's the reality. Even if we have to take radical responsibility for our choices, for how we choose to live our lives, right? For what we promote, what we believe in. I understand we all got to take radical responsibility and it's no one else's fault. I'm not blame, I'm not blaming per se people. I'm just shedding light on something that I think that we are not talking about enough. Being that depending on what culture you were born into, or depending on what culture you are currently surrounded by and living within, it can severely hinder and make it so much more uncomfortable and so much harder for you to continue to stay on track and continue to focus on your end game and your vision, right? That's the point here. This is so real without placing blame because again, there's beautiful things about everybody's culture. I don't want to take that away. There's beautiful, beautiful things about the African-American culture, especially in the South, uh, in Southern states in the U.S., But there's also very bad things that we are promoting, that we're perpetuating, that we're pushing, that we're feeding into, that we're valuing in our culture. That's the reality. And so let me lead to my next point here. However, this fits your narrative, however, this has fit you growing up or currently in your your current predicament, wherever you live. Remember this. Because you have realized, you know, the importance of losing weight, 
you value being fit, being healthy, changing your lifestyle. Clearly, because you're here. You're feeding yourself with information that promotes your change of lifestyle. You know, you follow me, on, follow me on Instagram, you get inspired by my reels, you go work out, right? You take Zumba classes on a regular basis. Like you're doing all the things. You are more cautious about what you're eating at home. You, 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 you meal prep, like you make efforts. You drink more water versus endless Coke, like whatever you do. What's important here is that you continue to focus on the changes that you're making because you understand the importance of breaking free from a cultural generational shackles. You understand the importance of showing your community something different, showing your environment something different. Because even though we are surrounded by this shit, right? Even though a lot of us are living in cultures that are not promoting a healthy lifestyle, there are other people within our communities who most likely have desires like you and I. There are most likely other people within these same cultures that are also suffering from those same things that I just talked about. And so when they see you and they see you valuing a different type of lifestyle, they see you putting in the reps, putting in the work, going to the gym. They see you in the, in the neighborhood and they see you walking your dog or like power walking every morning, no matter what, what the weather looks like. They peep in through their window and they're like, damn it, there she goes again. You are inspiring somebody. You are letting somebody know in your community, in your families, in, in your in-laws' families, right? The people you're going to college with, the people that you're working with. If they look like you, they come from the same type of background. They've been taught kind of the same type of cultural values, right? And morals. The only way that we're going to break free, the only way that we're going to get rid of these fucking shackles, the only way that we're going to move away from that and that we can truly, really benefit the people around us is by continuing to stay on that same path, putting our blinders on just like a horse, put your earplugs in. Cancel out the noise left and right, whatever they have to say that is culturally triggered. Who gives a fuck? I got to keep on going. So when, especially when black women thank me for being that voice, thank me for continuing to put out that content, even though it's not that common for us black women, it's not, we are definitely underrepresented. In the weight loss industry, in the fitness industry, we ain't all that present, right? It's just so important for me to hear that because I'm like, I'm going to do it regardless because I'm passionate about what I do and I'm passionate about helping all women regardless of their ethnicity, their background, their, their religion. I don't give a fuck, their nationality. I got clients in Australia. I got clients in Europe. I got clients in every state in the U.S., I, and I've had clients in Africa. I don't give a fuck where you are. You need help. You committed. I know I can help you. That's the only thing I got to worry about, right? But when I hear, especially from minority, uh, minority women, women of color, who say to me, it feels so good to see a woman who looks, looks like me, to see another uh, brown woman, right? Another black woman. 
put out this type of content and have this type of passion behind the work that she does because you truly want to see all of us win. You truly want to see us live better lifestyles. I'm like, thank you. I didn't even know that that was the type of feedback that I ever needed in life. But every time I get it, I'm like, damn, that makes me want to go harder. Because yes, I am a minority. That's, that's facts. I'm passionate about helping all women, but at the end of the day, I am a woman of color. I am part of a minority group. And so it's an honor that my passion is bleeding over onto other women of color and other women of minority groups that are like, damn it, I can identify with her even more because we don't have women who speak like that in our communities. We don't have women who push what she pushes. I'm pushing a whole different narrative. I'm pushing a whole different narrative for women of color, especially in America. We've got, it's time for us to prioritize our health. It's time for us to reverse pre-diabetes, diabetes, high cholesterol, hypertension. We can't continue to be dying and we are dying at much higher rates and much faster than any other segment of the population in the U.S. because of our lifestyles, because of our underlying chronic health conditions. We can't continue to do that. We cannot continue to follow the path of our culture when it comes to how we're living and how we're treating our bodies. And why also? Because we have children to raise. If we don't break those curses, our children will be left with having to do that work. And who is to say that our children are going to be able to do it? We bear that responsibility. We have to do that so that we stop the cycle altogether. So with me, it started with, um, with my dad, obviously, instilling in me the importance and the value of fitness when we came from a background where fitness was not all that. Wasn't even on people's radar. Come from a family where fitness, what the fuck is that? Enlighten me, because I don't know what that is. What's the purpose? Why would I do that? I'd rather just be sedentary, right? And my dad broke free from that. And so whether we liked it or not, as children, we didn't have no choice. <laughs> we were... Like this was our outcome regardless. My brother played my brother plays soccer. My brother is an outstanding soccer player and he is now 32. And my so- my brother still plays soccer. Like multiple times a week. Just had a conversation with my brother about the fact that his entire social life in his mid-30s is still surround is all about it's all around and about soccer. We didn't have no choice when it came to that. And that's thanks to my dad, because my dad probably, I don't know if it was conscious or subconscious, I need to ask him, but either way, he was like, oh, okay, I'm going to live a different type of lifestyle, and then I'm going to teach my kids a different type of lifestyle. Now, where I'm going to give my dad credit for that. Where I can give my dad credit is the nutritional side of things, because my dad, I said it in a previous episode, but my dad had a stroke in 2019, and my dad... um in his DNA, he got all the typical stuff from African-Americans that were plagued with in the U.S. And I have those same markers as well. And so my dad's nutrition has been absolute, had been absolute trash for the longest. And there was an overconsumption of alcohol. Alcoholism runs in my family as well, very heavily and deeply, which also they do believe their science shows that you're at a higher risk of uh, becoming an alcoholic if it runs in your family. So anyways, my dad, I do believe that he was kind of, uh, kind of sort of probably 
never diagnosed, but alcoholic for sure. Paired with just eating sugar all the time, bacon all the time, uh, like Coke, drinking Coke all the time. So you had the, af- the athletic piece down. Fitness, 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 fitness. But, the, but the, everything else, not drinking enough water, drinking nothing but soda, drinking nothing but alcohol. The diet, absolute trash. So I think that that's where I really was blessed because my mom is German. And if you know anything about Germans, like, granted, they don't have, like, the healthiest diet. The German cooking is not the healthiest cuisine either. They do like a lot of bacon, too, for sure. They do like uh, a lot of butter also, a lot of grease. Um, They're like their fried pork chops. They love pork, right? Yes, not American fried pork chops, by the way. But they, they do have some very unhealthy habits in their culture as well. But my mom specifically came from a German family where they didn't play that. So my mom growing up, like the only thing I saw my mom eat was like fucking grilled fish and vegetables. That's my mom's diet, right? My mom does have a sweet tooth. But other than that, that's it. And never really been a big, big alcohol drinker. She drinks some wine, but that's it. So I have my mom to think about that, to think about that at least, right? And my dad about the fitness component. But me, I'm on a mission to continue to teach my children the value of both, the value of a well-balanced diet and the value of living a very act active and being a very fit person, no matter what age and no matter what stage you're at in life. That's what I'm trying to pass on to my children. What I refuse for as long as I'm alive to pass on to my children is the generational bullshit that I come from in continuing to perpetuate the cultural crap when it comes to be fat, uh, have a big ass booty, eat a ton of bacon, a ton of butter, a ton of sweet tea, put carbs in everything. No, I will not pass that on to my children, no matter what. But it starts with me. So I think it's un- it's important for us to have the um, create the safe space where we can talk about this and we can vent about this freely and recognize that it's a real thing. And then obviously we're not going to stay in victim mode. What do we take? How do we take action? Well, the best way that you can continue to take action and go against that and make your cultural values less of a hindrance when it comes to weight loss and health and wellness is to continue pushing what it is that you're doing, regardless of what the people around you think, believe in, preach, promote, is to continue on the path that you're on. Continue to listen to podcasts like mine. Find other podcasts that inspire and motivate and fuel you. Continue to find uh, influencers, you know, professionals on Instagram, on TikTok, on Facebook, wherever, LinkedIn, wherever you spend your time. Continue to feed yourself with content and messages that are uplifting, that are positive, that are pushing you into the right direction so that you continue to be fueled, motivated, and feel supported with you building a different lifestyle than what your culture t- typically supports. Continue to go to gyms. Find social networks. Um, meetup.com has all kinds of groups where it's like hiking groups, walking groups, meditation groups, yoga groups, you name it. Find, find yourself other communities and sub communities that value health, wellness, fitness in whatever way possible or whatever way, shape and form resonates with who you are. That's the way that we're going to continue to break free from our cultural shackles 
that are trying to make it so difficult for us to win at weight loss long-term and take back control over our health. And we have to continue doing this so that we live a better quality life, but also so that we continue to inspire the people in our communities and show them that there's a different way. Because if they're going to see us continue to do it, it keeps planting seeds in their own minds. Oh, there is a different way. Even if I'm black, even if I'm Puerto Rican and all I want to do or all I've been taught to eat is like fucking rice and beans, right? And plantains left and right. Oh, there is another way, right? Even if I am Iraqi and growing up, my culture taught me that it was better for me to be, you know, overweight and have a lot of curves as a woman, that it was more desirable, right? And fill in the blanks, because I obviously don't know every culture in the world. Like, I'm not that smart. Um, but fill in the blanks. That's, that's what we need to do. That's the part of responsibility that we have to carry. And I'm so, I'm so firm about that. So, ladies, I hope that this episode you know, continues to fuel your motivation and your determination, your commitment to live a better life. I applaud you, especially if you are coming from any of any of these cultures or backgrounds, right? That make it very difficult traditionally to be slimmer, to be skinnier, right? To be lighter, <laughs> to win at weight loss, to succeed at weight loss, to prioritize your, your toned body goals your health, your wellness. I applaud you, girl. I applaud you. And I hope that this episode was like that extra, you know, like motivation and ounce of support that you needed because it does get hard and it does weigh people down. It does. It was very hard for me for the longest. It's not hard no more because I just don't give a fuck anymore, but it was very hard for the longest. So much love to all of you ladies. Continue to push forward. As always, keep a smile on your face, spread love and positivity to those around you. And above all, remember that you deserve to live in the body of your dreams. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Women Winning at Weight Loss podcast. If you found today's episode valuable, make sure to share it with other women in your life and head over to Facebook to join the Women Winning at Weight Loss community. We'll see you there.